Have you ever felt like the work you were supposed to love is instead sucking your soul and you aren't making the impact you always dreamed of making? If so, you aren't alone. From broke and underemployed to six figures plus, powered only by daydreams and grit, I realized I was burning out and my values of freedom, purpose, and making an impact were taking the back seat to my wallet. I realized that I needed to build my own field guide to awesome from the inside out. So I gave it all up and I traveled the world to rediscover what was most important to me and create a business that filled my pockets, filled my soul, and allowed me to multiply my impact. But the question is, how will I do it? Join me on my journey and find out as we build our community of experts and share the secrets of success from the inside out. My name is Trina Sarekia, and this is The Field Guide to Awesome. Welcome back to The Field Guide to Awesome, folks. In last week's episode, I talked about hitting the reset button, stepping out of the hustle and into the flow of a multi-six-figure coaching biz. If you missed it, make sure to go back and check it out. But don't go yet, folks. This week, I'm talking with Tracy Smith. Tracy is a professional writer, small business cheerleader, published author, and chocolate almond lover. She's also the founder of Kitchen Table CEOs, an online one-stop shop for women entrepreneurs looking for tips, tricks, and support to grow and launch their business. Her launch date was a week before the pandemic began. Join me in welcoming Tracy Smith. So it feels like we've really already jumped into the interview and it has been such a wonderful conversation so far. Um, Tracy, do me a favor and share with my audience who you are and what you do. I introduced you before we came on, but I'd love to hear in your own words. Oh, the pressure. I got to sound exciting here. No, my name's You are. (laughs) (laughs) My name's Tracy Smith. I'm a Canadian gal. I live just north of Toronto, Ontario. Um, My personal stuff first. I'm married to my husband, Ryan. I've got two kids. I can't believe I have a teenager already. Uh, I have a, I also have a cute little dog, Oak, that I love walking every day. Um, so that's a little bit about me. I love desserts and sweets and things like that. On the business side of things, uh, I've always been in communication like you. I've always been a talker, a sharer, a communicator. You know, when I was like a teenager, I think I sent out family newsletters before they were a thing. <laughs> so it was meant to be. Um, and after taking off almost a decade off with my kids, um, I decided writing. And so I started freelancing a lot for magazines, writing, um, you know, over 60 uh, published articles and things like that. And then I started working with small businesses that I was meeting through the magazine. And I realized that these small businesses really were challenged in trying to get their stories out there and getting their stories onto paper. Uh, They were so busy running their own business that they didn't have time to sort of do that social media and content piece that we talk about. Um, And so I I really sort of dug into that and started working with small businesses um, in everything from, you know, social media strategy to writing newsletters to creating websites for them, all all that. Um, And then about a year ago, I did a little bit more soul searching and uh, and I decided to take it one step further and create an online community for specifically women entrepreneurs 
if there's a guy entrepreneur out there and he wants to come on board, that's fine too. Um, but it's called Kitchen Table CEOs. And the idea is that there are so many women running amazing businesses, starting, launching, growing, rebranding their businesses from their homes. And, you know, so they're sitting at the kitchen table, they've got a home office, they've got their laptop while they're, you know, sitting on the sectional and they're running these businesses from home. And there's so many resources we need when we're a one person shop. So I thought, why don't I create a one-stop shop for these women entrepreneurs for tips, tricks, resources, everything to help them in their business, concentrating on content, social, um, branding, and even some family stuff like meal stuff, house stuff, and things like that to help in, you know, balancing home and also helping them to thrive in business. So that is where I'm at. And I'm, I, I, launch kitchen table CEOs a week before COVID hit. So that was lovely. So it's been a challenging year, but it's been a great year. And uh, this year I'm getting ready to launch my first course um, for these kitchen table CEOs called Content Unleashed. So I'm really excited about that too. Oh my goodness. You couldn't have launched at a better time last year. In some you were ahead of the curve. You're on the bleeding edge. I, I love that. <laughs> yes. Kitchen table CEOs everywhere unite. So I, that is fantastic. And one of the first questions that I ask my guests is, what was the biggest challenge that you faced when you started your business? And what was the mindset shift that moved you through that to the other side? Well, you know, it's really interesting um, because COVID, I'm sure tons of people can maybe relate to this, but the mindset shift was I spent, a, I, I've always loved home. I'm a homebody and I've always, when I had kids, you know, this is a unique decision for everybody, but I knew that I wanted to be home with my kids the majority of the time and raise them. That's just, that was me. And I definitely kept my foot in the door doing my freelance magazine articles and, and things like that. But I was home and I, I knew my attention was going to be focused there. And when my kids got bigger, I, I, you know, I started getting a little bit hungrier for something else and seeing sort of opportunities in front of me. But there was a little voice in my head that that didn't think that I could sort of invest my time and interests in um, uh, jobs or projects outside of my family without sort of losing sight of my family are growing, growing apart from them. In my head, somehow it was like, I couldn't have both. Um, if I got, you know, a job that sort of pulled me a little bit and was something for me outside, then clearly, you know, all hell was going to break loose and, you know, everybody would fall apart. Nobody would like each other anymore and everything would be horrible. So little by little, I feel like I didn't have some huge aha moment. It was very gradual. It was painful at times. Um, but I feel like I had to get over that mindset shift to know that shift that to know that I could do that. And in some ways it's actually better because I feel more fulfilled in certain ways. I'm not leaning on my family and my kids and my husband for, you know, I guess my happiness as much, or I'm not as affected by what's going on there. I have my own thing. And especially during COVID, it has been phenomenal because 
I'm so thirsty to learn. I'm learning so many new things. I'm, I'm wearing so many hats and the days are just flying by. Um, so that's really helped. And so I'm really proud of myself for doing that and taking it on and sort of allowing myself to do that. But everything's timing, right? I had a time with my kids when they were little and they needed me a lot more. And now my kids are 11 and 13 and a lot more independent. So I think that timing really helped as well. I think that's beautiful to help women understand that they, it can be a both end. It doesn't have to be an either or. It doesn't have to be their business or their family. It can be both business and their family. And I would also say too, that if, if it, if it is only one end, that's okay too. Like for me, I know consciously when my kids were young and, you know, I, I would maybe have a deadline for the magazine or something. And I noticed I was on my phone a bit more. I consciously remember saying, I don't want this to be me. I don't want to be juggling this. And so I'm not even going to do this right now. It, you know, the kids are where it's at, or I, I forget there was something else that somebody had asked me to be a part of. And I'm like, you know what? I only have one more year where I'm doing this juggle. I'm not even going to feel bad about that. That's maybe a next year thing. So you can, you can juggle both if that's what you need, but if you choose one or the other two, then, then that's great. But just to know that we're all sort of, um, what's that word when you can recover from things where we're, um, pardon me, resilient. Yes, we're resilient. And you know what? Take my own advice. If if you take on something and it's the wrong fit, you can always say no and switch it up, right? Mm. It's not so absolute and concrete. I heard this amazing sort of mindset quote from Amy Porterfield, who I'm sure you know. Um, and she said, I think she's similar to me. She's a bit of a warrior and you know, what if, what if, what if, like I'm, I'm ugh, that crazy what if voice in your head, right? But she said recently she started asking herself, not what if this happens, you know, bad news, this and that, but what if this is the best decision you're ever going to make? You know what I mean? Yes. And so it's really a different turnaround when you think about it like that. You stop dead in your tracks and think, oh, I never thought about it that way, right? I love that. You Asking better questions to get better answers. Mm -hmm. The quality of question you ask determines the quality of answer you get. For sure. Even when you're asking yourself, right? Exactly. And I wanted to ask what benefits have you seen um, with the clients that you've worked with in creating their own businesses? How has that led to a better life balance for them? Because I can only imagine that when you become your own boss, when you become the head of your own company, the head of your own business, that you get to decide how you run your business and how you craft your business around the life that you desire to live right well i think there's some basic things right like i know you know just even little things that you know oh i have a doctor's appointment i'm gonna go to the doctor's right or i want to meet a friend for lunch today and it's gonna take an hour 20 minutes not 50 minutes so i can get back to the office so there's tiny things like that where it doesn't mean necessarily that you're working less 
but you have so much more flexibility over your time and having that control i feel is very powerful because you feel like you can wake up and have choice as far as how you spend your time you know if you're feeling exhausted and you're not feeling like x then you know maybe you'll do x tomorrow and you can do y today um so i i definitely think that that's number one being a kitchen table ceo the nice thing is you're not commuting i i think commuting mm. You know, so many of us close to Toronto spend so much time commuting. So getting that time back is is amazing. Um, it's, I think it's incredibly satisfying when you have a vision for something and you are solely responsible for bringing it to life. Um, you know that I mean, and let's not put rainbows and unicorns all over this. Like if you're starting your own business, you are putting in some blood, sweat and tears. You're not putting. Yes, in five yes, you are and making $5 million, you know, it's not like that. You are working incredibly hard, but you get to pick your team. You know, you get to pick your clients eventually. <laughs> um, you get to pick your schedule and things like that, which is, which is great. And I think one thing that's very hard for women, but if you can get your head around, it really helps is, you know, you pick what you want to do and what you're good at. And hopefully you have the power to, hire other people to help you in the other areas. And I think yes. that's where a lot of us get stuck um, because we want bigger and we have visions, but then we just end up doing more, right? So we have to make sure that as we leave certain seasons or enter the next stage that we have sort of adequate leaders or mentors to help us with, you know, the tools and the shifts that we need to make so that we can grow and not just burn out completely. Exactly. Exactly. When you start your, your business, you are wearing all the hats, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're the service provider, you're the back office, you're the accounts receivable, you're the marketer. All right. You're, you're wearing all the hats. And at first, you know, that's where pretty much everybody starts. Mm -hmm. But at a certain point, if you want to grow, if you want to expand your income, if you want to expand your capacity to fully serve your clients and to serve more clients at an even higher level, right. at that point, you need to bring on a team. Absolutely. I, I heard something recently and it was, oh, it was like where passion and abilities intersect or something. So it's like, you want to be doing more of what you love to do and what you're good at, right? So you can do things that you're good at, but maybe you're not passionate about, or you can do something maybe you love doing, but it's not giving you anything in return. So it's like the things that you really don't like doing and you're not good at, definitely hire those off, right? And then eventually you want to get to that point where the stuff that you're concentrating on is the stuff that you love, and the stuff that you're good at doing, because that's the other thing is so many entrepreneurs eventually, as they're getting more and more successful, if they don't scale and they don't bring that team on, the irony is they're actually not doing what they loved to do and what they started it all for anyway, right? It's like the entire interior designer that is, that is doing all the bills and all the paperwork or running around and picking things up at stores when they just want to design you know, yes. they should be hiring the people to do that. So they are the go to visionary, right? So it's it's interesting, there's a lot to learn. And we never stop learning, right? We never stop learning. And what you're talking about, there are a couple of different terms for it. One is finding your zone of genius, there's a zone of competence, the zone of excellence, 
and the zone of genius. And I think as business owners, our goal is as CEOs, our goal is to continually work in our zone of genius. At first, we're starting in our zone of competence, the things that we can sort of do, but um, don't love to do. Then the zone of excellence, the things that we're really good at doing, but still don't want to do. And then our zone of genius is what we love doing, what we're excellent at doing, what brings our clients um, transformation, right? And then hiring the people to do to work in our zones of competence and excellence, because for them, that's their zone of genius. Yeah, absolutely. If we were all the same, it would be boring, right? We all have to be like this puzzle that fits together for the big picture. Yeah, and you know, you and I, we both work with CEOs. I work with CEO coaches. You work with CEOs of a variety of different entrepreneurs. And, you know, part of being a CEO is having that leadership and vision. It's also understanding that not everybody is meant to have their own business and it's okay. You know, it for us, it's what we were meant for. It's, you know, we love it and we can speak on it. Um, But for some people, they just want to do the copywriting. They just want to do um, the office work because that's their zone of genius. And have somebody that tells them what to do, right? They, you know, like everybody has a different sort of piece. And I would also say, and it, it, it helps sort of, when you think about it this way is you might not feel the same way at all stages of your life. You know, like exactly. I remember saying to my brother when I was, mm, I must've been 21 or 20, now 22 or 23. And I remember he was a graphic designer, right? And so this is way back, I'm not gonna date myself, but you know, there weren't all the apps to help you do everything back then. And mm-hmm. so he was a graphic designer. So he was like a God, like make me a logo, like, you know? And so <laughs> I was like, saying, I wish I had that skill that I could market to people, right? And I remember thinking, oh, I'm in communications. Like, what the heck is that? Like, I work for, you know, the regional government and their corporate communications department, or I work as the director of development for a nonprofit or, you know, and so I, the view that I had at that moment, I did not see any skill that I possessed. But as time went on, as I started working on my writing, as I started validating myself that I could write professionally, and then, you know, technology took off as far as being portable and different apps and people doing things on their own, well, everything shifted, right? So how you feel you fit into something at different stages of your life can completely shift too, which is which is fun. You're not going to be in the same job for 30 years, right? That has certainly changed. I remember um, when I was younger, careers were in the same job mm-hmm. for 40, 50 years, and you then know. you retire, <laughs> right? And yeah. that really changed for us. I, I think I'm older than you are. Um, but I remember early on realizing that, you know, there was no way, <clears throat> there was no way that I was going to be in the same job for 30, 40 years mm-hmm. and then retire. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I remember my family looking at me, it's like, Trina, you're changing careers again. It's like, yeah, but everything <laughs> yeah. connects everything connects. 
You and I will not be getting the gold watches, my friend. <laughs> no. Well, yes, we will. <clears throat> we will be buying our own gold watches. Yeah. Rose <laughs> we gold. We will be awarding ourselves our own gold watches. <laughs> For sure. So what are some takeaways that you can share with my audience about your experience um, of coming to terms with being a mother, being a parent, and also being a kitchen table CEO? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I think having limits is a, or having sort of boundaries is a good thing. I mean, everybody's different in their values, but I am a huge believer in balance and I'm not, I'm a tech fan because it's in our life, but I'm not a tech fan because I think we all have our phones out way too much and we're not talking to people. So in my house, we have huge boundaries for that. As far as, you know, when the day ends, I try pretty much to, you know, put that away. If my kids are watching a two and a half hour hockey game, I have all boys in my house, then maybe I'll sneak up and do something like that. <laughs> but, you know, having those boundaries as far as you need to be able to turn things off. I mean, one of the positives that we already talked about this is having the flexibility to sort of shift your day. But I think one of the one of the pitfalls is that because you're at home, well, you can always plop into your desk and oh, you can always open this up. So I would say to really try to create some boundaries of when you start, when you stop, and when you when you have a break. That's a really good one, and try and put away the phone for most of the evening, and definitely not in your bedroom. <laughs> um, those are just life life lessons too. Um, the second being, um, well, this is funny during COVID because. I find my husband and I have been able to trade off on the housework and just the responsibilities because everybody's home. I think that sometimes when people go off to school and they go off to work and then you're at home a lot, not on purpose, but might fall on you just because people don't realize how much you're doing behind the scenes. So I would also say to sort of set boundaries or attempt to segment a little bit who's doing what, because that'll allow you to really kind of concentrate and close the door and do some of your work instead of, as we know, you can spend hours just sort of tidying up after everybody or doing chores and things like that. And you can certainly fit some of those things in, but definitely like treating it like this is, I mean, it is your job, but just because you're at home, you know, you need to be able to have that sort of head down time and things like that. Um, I'm at a loss here. I, I, I'm normally never at a loss for words here. Well, first, I, I just want to say I love those two points that you shared so far about creating boundaries um, and respecting those boundaries. And one of the challenges is you know, what if nobody respects my boundaries? Well, it's not their job to respect your boundary. It's your job to respect your boundary and set expectations of, you know, how things are going to go. Um, you know, what's going to happen, you know, if you can't be quiet, then I need you to go outside. Right, for sure. You know, mommy is working. Yeah, and you know what, it's an adjustment for everybody because especially like in, in my certain situation where, you know, they they get used to sort of having you always around and available or beck and call. And then, you know, now you're you're more important and have some stuff to do. <laughs> now you're always yeah. the same importance. And it's just that it, it is a shift for everybody. So there's obviously a, a time period for that too, right? The other thing that I would say doesn't necessarily have to do with home, but it definitely has to do with entrepreneurship 
I've been juggling so much is, you know, really believe in your abilities. I know it can be extremely overwhelming, like we said, to be wearing so many hats, but so much has shifted in the past even five years as far as the tools and the apps and the online resources like my website, Kitchen Table CEOs, where you can get information at your fingertips to do things that were completely impossible before without hiring a contractor or a consultant or a specialty. You know, like as an example, I use Canva, which is like an online graphics sort of uh, program. And it, I'm not saying that I still wouldn't hire a graphic designer if I was needing something super high quality, but Canva allows me to present and look professional and create graphics that I never would have been able to without spending thousands of dollars on a graphic designer, you know, and, um, you know, schedulers for your social media presets and filters for your pictures, automatic clickers for your phone or um you know um making your own videos and podcasts here we are right so i think sometimes we're very quick to think oh i don't know how to do that or oh that's intimidating and trust me the printer was not working in our house today and that is intimidating i have no idea how to fix it but just to be open to the fact that the more you talk to people the more that you join online communities um with other women entrepreneurs where you can learn about these resources from people that might just be two steps ahead of you. There is just so much that you can conquer and do on your own until you're ready to add people to your team. Exactly. And one of the words that you used in there that I absolutely love is the word resources. It's not about the resources, it's being resourceful. Mm -hmm. And you just talked about demonstrating that in what you just said, you know, it, you don't have to do everything. Um, you also, it's, you're not going to grow if you sit there, oh, I don't know how to do that. Figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't, <clears throat> audience, you didn't see, I just did like this huge, silly shrug. It's figure it out, you know, figure it out that there are options. There are ways to be resourceful. And when you say, I don't know, but I will find out. I don't know, but who can I ask? That was the underlying reason why I created the online space kitchen table CEOs, because, you know, I was working with all these small business owners and I was just looking around and really observing. And the reason why most of them had hired me was because again, they were overwhelmed. There were so many things to do and they didn't know where to turn, right? So kitchen table CEOs, one-stop shop. So I try to do things like I have an email lists 101, how to start and grow your email list today, you know, because a lot of people, oh, email, I keep hearing email lists. What the heck is this? Well, download the guide and it will tell you everything you need to know, bring you up to speed, give you the terminology so you're not feeling like the awkward person in the room that has no idea what people are talking about, right? How to write an about me page, you know? Okay, I'm not a writer. I don't even know where to start. Am I cute? Am I allowed to talk about myself, you know? Or um, 
how to write a blog, like all these different subjects I cover off on my website with really affordable sort of products because I want them to get into people's hands so that they say, oh, okay, like she's talking my language. She didn't talk jargon. She gave me templates. She gave me examples. I can easily follow this. And now I have a kick butt about me page, right? So that is really the reason why I, I launched it because I wanted to help people and put it all in one place where they could find it and feel reassured. That's fantastic. I love that. <laughs> Tracy, I want to ask you about, this is something that we talked a little bit about offline, um, but let's talk about imposter syndrome because okay. I know that runs rampant. I, I see it in my clients um, as coaches, um, but I know that it is out there like wildfire in the entrepreneurial community and especially with women entrepreneurs. You know, tell me a little bit more about women entrepreneurs believing in themselves and fighting back against imposter syndrome. Yeah, well, I see it a lot and I, I even, you know, we spoke about it a little bit, like you said, like within myself is you always feel like that other person has all the answers or you always feel like that other person knows more than you or you have that voice that says, oh, I really love doing this, but, you know, I, I'm not a professional, you know, um, and I wrote about this this week, actually, funny enough, in that with writing, I've always been a writer, like ever since I was little, it was a hobby. I never took it in university. I have a degree in health sciences, believe it or not. And, um, but I've always been a communicator and enjoyed it. Um, and so that is where sort of my job took me. So when I first started writing, it was more corporate. So, you know, very objectively for press releases and annual reports and things like that. And then I started writing in magazines and I was always insecure at my corporate job because I was surrounded by people that had degrees in journalism or, you know, had taken some pretty major writing courses. And I had, I had writing 101 or something like that, but that I took as a credit, side credit university, but I had no degree. So I was always feeling very insecure, even though I was getting job promotions, even though, you know, sometimes my boss would even put me, you know, when he was talking and my abilities higher than other people, even though, you know, I published, <clears throat> excuse me, more than 50 articles and magazines, for some reason, I just, I, I felt fraudulent saying I'm a professional writer. I, and so I don't know what shifted, I think time, I think um, trying to listen to other people's voices, like if my friends are telling me, if people are hiring me, I must, I must be okay at this. Um, and I also started listening to some podcasts of other, you know, heavyweight entrepreneurs. And um, really, the, you know, their messages resonated in the sense that they talked about some of their insecurities and they talked about them still learning, but having to believe in ourselves. And I, it's funny, I remember the first form, you know, I had to fill out and it said occupation. And I was like, professional writer. And so that was sort of like a turning point where I started saying, you know, I do write professionally, or I am a content creator, or even God forbid, content guru. Um, and so that was that was healthy, 
because in hearing those heavyweights talk and still having insecurities or still learning and growing in their journey, it was reassuring to know that, you know, again, we don't have to be perfect to be amazing at something, right? And even if you're amazing here and now, hopefully you'll still keep learning and getting better and better. And so, and if we're not gonna believe in ourselves, um, who will, right? So I find with female entrepreneurs, I so enjoy working with them because they're so capable and they're so smart but sometimes because they doubt themselves, they so need a cheerleader. And so yes. I completely find the biggest thrill out of being a cheerleader for my clients and just saying, you know what, you did great, let's publish this and we can always come back and change this. You know, or, or what's holding you back right now? Oh, you're not sure about whether you wanna add that? Well, you know what, we can always come back and add that, but let's not hold up your website, your vision, your business for another three months because you're not sure whether you wanna add that other paragraph or page, right? Like we can, we can add that or just saying you did amazing today look you you and you created this right and so sometimes we're so used to giving accolades to everybody else that it feels a little foreign to do it for ourselves and i think that we can that's amazing sorry i'm answering really long here um and then the other thing is just the community once you tap into that woman entrepreneur community it really is pretty incredible. And I didn't really know it existed until a couple of years ago. And, you know, the support that's out there is, is quite incredible. So we all have to believe in ourselves and put one foot in front of the other and go for it, right? Just like you are too. Exactly. Yep. And, you know, I love talking about imposter syndrome in that our inner imposter isn't being hateful it's there to protect us from something that it's afraid might happen, that we're not enough and we might hurt ourselves when logically we know that we can do this work. Mm -hmm. Right. We need to give that inner imposter another job. Yeah. The gremlin, as we call it in my house, sometimes get the gremlin. gremlin. Don't play catch with the gremlin. Nope. Nope. Retrain the gremlin to tell Mm -hmm. you, Hey, you need to do this to be successful. You know, you need to take action. I mean, not that you want to be negative with other people, but knowing that everybody has that is also yes. reassuring because then we can all imperfectly move forward together, right? Exactly. You know, some of the biggest stars you were talking about, like the heavyweight um, coaches, the heavyweight entrepreneurs that um, have the, used to struggle with the imposter syndrome. The same is true for any big name person. You look at the actors, at the comedians who have had major imposter syndrome. Oprah has imposter syndrome sometimes. Yeah, Uh, it's just, I think it's less about if you have failures or if you have doubts and it's more about how you address or handle those or pick yourself up right like i remember hearing tony robbins and he was like you know my first event that i put out there or promoted like one person showed up and i think they were there by accident (laughs) you know (laughs) and 
So, you know, you have to make a choice though, that, you know, are you going to give up or are you going to give it a try and learn, learn from what you did and, um, and keep going. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Failure. There's really no such thing as failure unless you stop. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when you, when you don't get the expe- expectation, ex- when you don't get the expected result, you either stop everything or you learn, mm-hmm. you know, you can learn and do it again and do it again differently. Yeah. And it's hard, but <laughs> it's empowering when you improve. It is, you know, when you have that growth mindset of, Hmm, that didn't turn out the way I expected. I wonder if I did this differently. For sure. What would happen? Oh, that worked better. And then you get to look back at all of the hard work that you put into it, all of the grit that you had creating that business. And you can really celebrate your win. And One of the things that I talk to my clients about is celebrating the small wins all along the way. Mm -hmm. How important that is. Celebrating where you are in that journey. Like I often get asked in some of the female entrepreneur groups and things, you know, what's your one advice to give somebody just starting out? And it truly is just put one step in front of the other. There might be a few backward steps too, but just keep trying to do those baby steps and steps forward because they all add up together. I'm in this group right now for a course that I took and it's this phenomenal um, online community And they always say like, cue the confetti, tell us what you did this week that was amazing, right? And so, but the leader of the group always says, you know, celebrate where you are. There's always gonna be somebody in front of you. There's always gonna be somebody behind you. Everybody has different predicaments and what they're dealing with. So just try and, you know, move forward where you are and celebrate your wins because, um, you know, you're gonna be where the other person is in the future, right? Exactly. And you had, um, this came up in my mind earlier, but you said so much gold in between, but I wanted to talk a little bit about comparisonitis, Mm. which is huge um, in entrepreneurship where you're creating your business and somebody else is doing something similar and they're having so much more success and you're comparing your messy back end with their Mm. shiny front end. Well... (laughs) say chances are their shiny front end has just as messy of a back end you're just not seeing it number one yes um number two i think there's a fine line between kind of healthy competition and inspiration versus um actually hurting your sort of um mental wellness if you will so you know, I have lots of people <clears throat> that I love to learn from and I get inspiration from and we're doing similar things and they might be further ahead. I try and use that in a, in a positive way. I have people that are similar at a stage to me and it might be a little bit of healthy competition, not in a negative, like I'm up, you're down, but just like, oh, hey, like keep me, keep me honest, right? Um, but then I find, and I have done this in my own life, if there are those people that, you know, every time their feed pops up it stirs something negative or you're rolling your eyes and this could be for friends too (laughs) but if it's just those things that in your gut it's just 
it's making you feel bad about yourself, then to me, I say it's not worth it. Just unfollow, put your blockers up, stay in your own lane and do what you do best because there must be something there either value wise or something that's hitting you that is not positive. It's not feeding your healthy competition. It's not empowering you and inspiring you. Um, so just get it out of there. Like I've, I've, I'm open. I've unfollowed some of my friends because I'm just kind of like, I don't, I don't know what it is. I know nothing should make me feel that way. Like it's in my power, but clearly it's just not worth it. In the end of the day, I'd rather give them a phone call and talk to them. Yeah, that's true. And one of the ways that I've seen competition as well is I really don't believe that there is competition. Competition is in your own mind. And you just illustrated that really well um, because somebody may have a similar business, but their very being is very different from your being. Mm -hmm. And the way they talk about it is going to be very different. The way they execute what they do is going to be very different. And the people who are going to be drawn to them to do business with them are going to be very different. There mm -hmm. is room for all of us in the business arena. Absolutely. Yes. And find out, I would say, take it as a challenge though. Okay. You're in the same field as somebody, you might have an overlap in your ideal client, but as far as a business plan, this is a healthy challenge for you because what makes you different? Why are people going to come to you and take from you, you know, instead of some of those other people? And it's not taking their clients. It's more just if you split the world into segments, who's going to resonate with what you're offering because you're offering that and who's going to resonate with them because their offering is slightly different, right? And I, I do agree, maybe competition is the wrong word, but I do believe that we all have some sort of passion or gift to share. So yes. you know, there's plenty of room out there. So be you. Be you, because there are people out there who are just waiting to hear about what you do. They're just <laughs> waiting. They've heard it from a million other sources. They've heard the same thing. But when you say it, all of a sudden it's going to click for them. Well, it's just like music, let's just say, you know, I'm a huge Whitney Houston fan. Some people like Mariah better. That's okay. But not if you're at my house because Whitney's on. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> with podcasts like when you turn it on or like maybe okay bad example maybe a radio show or something like that you turn it on and there's certain people you're just like oh i love their delivery their humor sits well with me you know versus there's this one person i listen to that's on this station that i listen to do people still, still listen to stations <laughs> i do um but it's just i don't know she's the nicest person but it's how she pauses and what she talks about or you know I don't love kind of humor that's too crass and things or I don't like people that swear you know not that I don't like the people but it's not a huge piece that I like in my life reading things that have constant like cursing and things like that so you know for me I'm not your target audience right so just thinking mm. about that is an interesting way maybe you're not Maybe, maybe they like a different radio show. <laughs> You'll have your listeners and they'll have theirs, right? Yep. That, that's beautiful. One of my idols, the way 
in the way that she talks, in the way that she shares her material, at least in the podcasting world, is Brooke Castillo. Okay. The Life Coach School podcaster. Um, she just, the way she speaks and the way she delivers. Yeah, and you can learn. Like, from I want to be like that yeah. <laughs> when I grow up as a podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> Take pieces and keep you, right? Exactly. Exactly. And that's what I like to think that I've done so far. Thank All right. Know. And so small business, you mentioned that small businesses struggling is really breaking your heart. Mm -hmm. You know, talk more about that. You were saying something about that. These are your people. Closures are out of control. Working is so hard, pivoting, heartbreaking, inspiring. So as I mentioned, I work with small businesses and entrepreneurs. So a lot of them are kitchen table CEOs working from home, which is amazing because they might offer up their items more online or virtually. So, you know, with COVID, there's definitely things that affect them, but in essence, they can continue on. Um, But I do work with a lot of brick and mortar businesses, small businesses as well. And as we all know, um, you know, COVID's horrible, it's rampant, and it's a huge public health issue. So there have been closures where we are um, mandated by the government. And so, you know, completely out of their control, they've had to shut their doors for the betterment of everybody uh, and the spread. And so it just, it does break my heart because here you're you're walking along, you're running your business hard enough, um, doing everything right, and then your doors close. And so, you know, in some ways, it has been amazing to see that innovation and entrepreneurship really is well alive because I've seen some of these people, like let's say a local um, clothing store, didn't have a website, completely pivots, if you will, the word of the year, um, and starts doing like all their online sales through Instagram, you know, mm. or all of a sudden doing home deliveries everywhere, you know, bringing things for you to try on and this and that, or, um, yeah, so it's, it's, or offering up, you know, different gift ideas or, uh, restaurants all of a sudden pivoting and, and doing, you know, family meals because people aren't coming in. So now instead of ordering individual meals, they're offering up sort of meal kits for families. So it's heartbreaking on the one hand, because, you know, some of these closures and financial challenges are, uh, imminent and out of their control. But then to be able to see that spirit and the innovation and the rising to the challenge um, to try and survive and and get through this period has really been um, amazing to watch. That's brilliant. Now tell me a little bit more about working with entrepreneurs and small businesses to help speed up their journey, to really boost their confidence and help them get their stories into words. Okay. So a lot of, um, you know, working with a lot of entrepreneurs, I meet them at various parts of their journey. So I just worked with the two women in the fall and they came to me and they just said, we don't even know where to start. We don't know if you can help us, but we don't even know where to start. Like we're starting this business and we know we need a website and this is what we're doing, but like, what do we do (laughs) sort of thing? So, um, and then I had another woman come up to me. She's a, she's a chef and she's like, 
I know I need an email list. I want you to make me one. I don't want to know how it works. Can you do that for me? <laughs> I don't want to know anything <laughs> about tech. So it's, it, it's really such an amazing feeling to be able to work with people who have an amazing and clear vision for what they want to do, but they need help to get that story out into the world or to utilize tools and technology to help them do that. So, you know, whether it's making websites for small businesses this year, like a clothing store that I mentioned, you know, we got them up and running with a website. So that was amazing for them to be able to reach a larger audience and to save some time on their Instagram DMing with everybody. Um, and, you know, the, the two women that approached me and didn't know where to start, you know, we, we started by telling their story before we even did the website. We're like, okay, who are you? What are you offering? Um, you know, what's your business description, your elevator pitch, let's create your about me page of your three team members. And then I brought in my web developer and then we brought their vision to life once we knew that, you know, they needed the website and how it was all going to be set up. And, um, and my chef got her email list as well. So seeing how these tools and these advances really catapult businesses, um, because we can have great ideas, but I always say, you know, second to your business plan, maybe, um, you know, being able to tell your story in an accurate way to your ideal customer is by far the most important thing, because let's say you have a fancy website. If you do not have words on there that are talking to your ideal client, telling them where to go or asking them the right questions or giving them directions, that website's nothing. You put out a fancy flyer, you know, if there's spelling mistakes in it or if you don't know how to you don't know who you're talking to. Um, so I really, really help small businesses kind of sculpt their story and get it out there through various um, means. And so one thing that I did create, because people can hire me, which is amazing, um, but it costs a lot of money too. And I do like to be able to empower them to be able to do some of this on their own. So that's why I created my course that I'm launching um, in March or this year throughout, um, and it's called Content Unleashed. So my goal is to teach uh, it could be a business owner that's refreshing their brand. It could be a new business owner, entrepreneur, or it could be like a virtual assistant who's doing it for their clients. But it's to teach them those seven essential pieces of content that they need to master. So the business description, the about me page, the blog, the, the product descriptions, everything I'm going to be teaching them how to write. And then they'll actually write it with me. So in the end, it'll all be done and they'll be completely equipped with temp templates and ideas and they'll sort of have an arsenal of tools to help them on their journey. So that's why I launched that. Brilliant. That's brilliant. So that's coming up very soon, which is pretty exciting. Mm -hmm. What else do you have coming in the next 12 to 24 months that you're really excited about? So the Content Unleashed course is the biggie because I'm not launching it um, so it's out there all the time. It'll only launch periodically. So March 1st, um, the cart opens the week before uh, for anybody who might be interested. But March 1st, it's going to launch for five weeks. And then I haven't 100% nailed down the dates, but I think I'm going to do another one in June and another one in October. So that's huge and big. And as you know, like to do a launch properly and 
and do it well is a lot of energy. So most of my energy is going into that, um, to that right now, to be honest. And, uh, and then the other thing I'm thinking about is a lot of entrepreneurs right now and small business owners uh, are asking a lot about email lists, how to use them, the different platforms and what that's, and there's a lot of sort of jargon and tech associated with it that can be really intimidating. So that's one thing sort of on the horizon I'm looking at, maybe developing some, some good products for, um, for entrepreneurs to be able to just access that knowledge and, and make it more approachable for them. That's really exciting. Yeah, I am excited, especially the course. It's been a lot. I've been working on it probably for four to five months. So, and I just launched it to my, my founding members. I had an opportunity where, you know, I let a select group of people in early to sort of help me put finishing touches on it and things. And so there was a great reaction. We've got a great group there. So I'm, I'm really, really pumped for it. Congratulations. I can't see what, I can't wait to see what happens next for you. Tracy, I have had such a lovely time interviewing you. I would love to have you come back to talk about your content unleashed program and the success that it's created for your clients. Amazing. I'd How love open to-, to that would you be? How open to that would you be? 150%. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Tracy, it has been such a pleasure talking with you and I can't wait to have you back. Thank you so much for having me and I wish you all the best for this year. I know it's going to be an awesome one for you too. Thank you. Hey, I'm so glad you joined me today. Next week, I'll be talking with Gabby Lim. Gabby has overcome years of emotional and binge eating. For most of her early life, she felt shy and insecure and at times felt like she was at war with both food and her own body. Gabby did deep inner work and figured out how to change all of that. She's manifested effortless weight loss and learned how to love every bit of her body, all while making peace with food and massively increasing her confidence. Now Gabby is a food and body coach who is dedicated to helping women heal their relationship with food and their body so they can finally live freely and feel like a goddess in their own skin. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss it. Hey, thanks for listening. I truly hope you got something out of this episode that you can immediately implement in your life or business. If so, one of the easiest ways you can help me and multiply your impact is to please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and help me reach other heart-centered and socially conscious entrepreneurs like you. I also have a special invitation to share with you. If you are a coach who wants to identify your self-worth, break through limiting beliefs, and overcome energetic blocks to scale to consistent 5K plus months, I invite you to book a call with me. We'll have an intimate conversation about you, your business, and what's holding you back from scaling to consistent 5K plus months in your coaching business. If you still need more help at the end of the call, and it makes sense to both of us, we'll talk about what it would look like to work together. If this sounds good to you, click the book Trina link in the show notes. Thanks again for listening and stay tuned for next week. And remember, be awesome.